All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday night. You know who I am. I'm El Jamal, and you are now listening to Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. So we're going to get right into it tonight with the world on the street. And it looks as though Zimbabwe has elected its president. And it's going to be Emerson Managua of the ZANU-PF party. I talked a little bit about him yesterday. He was a high official uh, that dealt with Robert Mugabe during his presidency. And uh, it looks like he's won 50% of the popular vote, although that is highly contested. And he's beating out Nelson Chamisa and the movement for democratic change and uh they were able to i'm sorry he was only able to get nelson was only able to get 44.3 percent of the vote and this helps managua avoid a runoff i think there's something a little bit um questionable here uh it took a couple of days like i said before there were a lot of places at least 2,000 polling places that hadn't even uh produced any results at all uh let alone um, for any, uh, let it, well, you know, no results period. So I find it very fishy. Uh, there definitely were some claims of voter intimidation and some, uh, malpractice with some of the ballots. Uh, maybe they were uh, incomplete or something like that. And, uh, one thing I wanted to really get into though, was already, you can pretty much see the difference in the viewpoints, uh, since this election already. And one, uh, viewpoint I have here, the first one I'm going to talk about is from Charity Manurike. She's a political, uh, political science professor at the university of Zimbabwe. And she says there is continuity, stability. Zimbabwe is posed for nation building. Now, that makes sense coming from somebody from a a position such as, you know, government, state led, you know, such as a professor, a professor, excuse me, a college professor. So definitely somebody who benefits from, you know, whoever is in power in terms of government, you know, she's definitely hoping that this regime is definitely, you know, education friendly, but definitely we can see somebody of those of that skill set of that specific caste or, you know, you could say class in society already can kind of benefit, already sees the benefits of this uh, quote unquote regime. Now, also, here's a different perspective, though. This is coming from Emian Chistaste. Now, he is a security guard in one of the major cities of Harare. He says it means that our suffering will continue. It's the same Zanu PF, which brought us to where we are. Now, that's an interesting quote, because this is coming from somebody from the actual working class. You know, definitely he's out there, you know, working. He's out there grinding. And, you know, and that's what you're you're going to see in a lot of cases when it comes to politics. A lot of, you know, political affiliations will be based on financial status, class status. And we're already seeing that definitely the working class and or those in poverty are not going to be fully represented in this regime. We're already going to see that. Now, this is um, was supposed to be their first democratic election since the coup 
of Robert McGavey. Now, Robert McGavey led a 37-year autocracy. So this is what this country has gone through. 37 years they had somebody brutally, you know, dictate to them what to do and what not to do. So now they're at a point now where they thought that they were going to be able to, you know, start again over somebody completely different and, you know, do run their government in a completely different way. And it looks like that might not happen. And it's pretty unfortunate. Uh, they've done all that they can do. They've, they've done the right things. And it looks like the powers that be are pretty much going to seize the opportunity again. And unfortunately, it sucks. But definitely, it looks like this party here, the Zanu PF, definitely had a lot of clout. And I wouldn't say they were necessarily the most popular party, but they definitely have the most prestige being that they've been pretty much the same party that's been around for almost the past 40 years. However, nothing has been, you know, it looks as though on an international level, nothing has been really done for that country because they're still asking for international aid. They're still trying to reposition themselves in a position to be those allies with either the UK or the US or somebody of that nature. So they're not necessarily... Uh, officially taking care of themselves on an independent level and it's really sad to see so it's like well where where is the change and uh when is it going to come for them and it's just unfortunate that we still have well at least they still haven't seen it yet all right my people we're going to take a quick break and we come uh we come when we come back excuse me uh we got some nfl news to talk about we got the first preseason game we got the hall of fame game bears and ravens we're going to talk about it we'll be right back and we also got some baseball scores as well all right y'all yeah yeah uh. Let me take you on a day, day. We ain't got a way. Tell me if you got an ex nigga in the way, he can stay. I just wanna get a little taste, and I see you keep your body in shape. Look, I just wanna day, day. Damn, you look good, huh? Damn, you look good, girl, and you look good. Need to stop. Niggas came in two shots. I'm waiting to hit sugar free quick or two pockets. This the coast. T shirt, flannel, no coats. A party ain't a party if my nigga can't smoke. Here we go. Let me, let me, let me make a toast to baby over there, cause you know I wanna poke. No, I don't. I just wanna stick it in the dough. Drop out the house and go dipping on the spokes. Niggas know. Two twelves in the back seat. Passing by the kids and they yelling, that's me. As I skate. Damn, what's with all this? Hey, when I come around, you can't say it to my face. Okay. Niggas know I do stay paid. And niggas can't get that fade when I come around. Niggas better quiet shit down. You niggas ain't buying Chris Dow. You sharing that drink. Fuck, do I care what you think? I come through wearing that mink. Niggas all drunk. I don't wanna hit your blunt. I can fuck with any bitch that I want. Is that your chick? Niggas looked over like I did that back in 06. She was like, wait, hold up, that's my jam. This the new dime, bitch. That's my man. Try and get this money as best I can. Can you do it from the side, baby? Yes, I can. Just wait. I'ma beat it out like say. Going all nights, give me like five tapes and I'm straight. Dang, that's what I deserve. We getting money now, huh? That's what I done heard. Y'all be in the club with all them nerds. I be at the house with a girl on reserve. What you gon' do with all them curves? Teach me something. I'm new right now, I wanna learn, it's your turn Girl, you gotta give it what you got, got. Ain't nobody giving you a spot This ain't no team, you ain't finna get no ring Wake up, girl, this ain't no dream This my life, champagne bottles on ice Come through feeling like Mike, you ain't my wife 
please, I'm everybody tight. Girl, I got what everybody like. When I come around, niggas better quiet shit down. You niggas ain't buying crystal sharing that drink. Fuck, do I care what you think? I come through wearing that mink. When I come around, just when I come around. When I come around, just when I come around, when I come around. DJ Hendog in this motherfucker. I got some new shit from the motherfucking West Side with love too. Goddamn Dom Kennedy in this bitch. Yeah, y'all niggas gonna like this. All y'all niggas out there in the motherfucking L codes to them Lambos. Bug, I see you niggas. Oh, hold on, man. I got hold on. Oh, your bitch just paged me. Oh shit. Hendog come through. Bitch, I'm working. Alright, y'all. And we are back. And we are on the precipice of the NFL season. We got some uh preseason action. The Bears, they went out it against the Ravens tonight, and they lost 16-7. to So we're going to go a little bit deeper into the game, just a little bit more. Uh, Joe Flacco did not start for the Ravens tonight, and neither did their top three running backs. Um, as far as passing goes, RG3 got the start. The rookie Lamar Jackson got some, got some snaps as well. RG3, RG3 did pretty well. Uh, he went 7 for 11 58 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Lamar Jackson, the numbers necessarily in terms of completion percentage weren't necessarily on point. He went 4 for 10 with 33 yards, but then he also had a touchdown. He also had an interception as well. In terms of rushing, like I said, the top three running backs didn't play today for Baltimore. So Gus Edwards got the start. He had 10 carries, 35 yards. Lamar Jackson also got in the mix in terms of that. He had eight carries for 25 yards. Now, in terms of receiving, Gus Edwards, in terms of yardage at least, he had 23 yards, and that was pretty much that pretty much led the way for all receivers combined. Uh, and the, t- uh, the tight ends, they also got into the mix. Both tight ends, Max Williams, at least the rotational tight ends. Max Williams, he had a recovery and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst also got into the mix tight end. Three recoveries and a touchdown. As far as defense, uh, Kam- I'm sorry, Kamale Correa, uh, Correa led the way. Five tackles, three sacks, one interception. And we also had safety Bennett Jackson. He had three tackles and a sack. Chuck Clark, the safety, he also got an interception as well. Now, as far as the Bears go, they pretty much struggled throughout the game. Both teams really did offensively, but they pretty much were losing the game pretty much throughout. They they kind of mounted a comeback in the second half. But uh, in terms of in terms of their stats, passing wise, Tyler Bray got the start. He went 18 for 34. 
181 yards and a touchdown. Chase Daniel also got some snaps as well. 8 for 16, so that's 50% of his passes. One TD and then two interceptions. Rushing-wise, uh, Barry Cunningham got six carries and 37 touchdowns. Now, he pretty much led the way. Everybody else got between, I think, 40, uh, 14 yards, something like that. Now, like I said, yeah, that was pretty much the max of all their running backs, uh, 37 yards. Now, in terms of receiving, the rookie, Jovan Williams, excuse me, he led the way with seven recoveries, 89 yards. He averaged 12.7 yards on every catch. That was pretty solid, solid for a good first go around. Tanner Gentry also got three catches and a touchdown, and Michael Burton also got two uh, rec- receptions with a touchdown. Defensively, John, uh, Jonathan Anderson, the linebacker, led the way with six tackles. John Timu, linebacker, he also got four tackles. DeAndre Houston Carson, the safety, also got four tackles. So they're, they're getting around. They're moving around today, Chicago defensively, and he also got an interception as well. The key with them is they had seven players to get sacks to Today, seven sacks, like I said, in total. Also, Doron Grant got an interception today. So, up front, the Bears might be pretty solid. Um, I don't know what else. You know, there's a, there, definitely they have some holes to fill offensively. We don't know exactly. Uh, we're pretty much, I mean, we know Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter this year. But it definitely looks like they can play defense. Um, they definitely they got seven sacks. But so can Baltimore as well. A lot of guys that you don't necessarily hear about, uh, like I said, Correa, uh, Kamale Correa, he's going to work himself into the rotation with solid play like that. So look out for that name right there. Pretty solid game. Pretty, pretty much of a pretty much a solid game to set off the preseason with two teams that pretty much need to. Yeah, I would say need to prove something this year. So definitely a good matchup. So let's get into the MLB. We got some scores here. Let's get right into it. The jo- the Dodgers blow out the Brewers today, twenty one to five. The Giants they get a win against the Diamondbacks, an inch up there in terms of the AFC West rankings. I'm sorry, the sorry. Ooh, I'm thinking about football. The Giants they move up in terms of the NL West rankings. Ooh, sorry about that. Eight to one is the final there. The Blue Jays beat the Mariners seven to three. The Angels beat the Rays four to two. The Rockies beat the Cards three to two. The Royals beat the the Chicago White Sox, excuse me, six to four. The Marlins beat the Phillies five to two. The Reds beat the Nats ten to four. The Braves beat the Mets four to two. The Yankees beat the Red Sox. I'm sorry, the Red Sox beat the Yankees 15-6. The Rangers beat the Orioles 17-8. The Padres beat the Cubs 6-1. And that's it. That's it for baseball, y'all. We're going to take one uh, one last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go over the uh, Sunbelt Conference and also Conference USA. Again, this is the series for your college football. Uh, we're going to go, like I said, we're going to do go, going through all the major conferences, at least in D1. We're going to get those wrapped up. So we're going to come back in a few minutes and talk about those two conferences conferences, and wrap tonight's show up. So we will be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all. 
So like I said, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to go over these conference profiles. We're going to go over a couple smaller conferences tonight. We're going to go over Conference USA and the Sun Belt. So let's get right to it. Let's start with the Sun Belt. Now, as far as rankings go, uh, none of the teams in this conference uh, ranked in the top 25 nationally, but you still have some pretty good, uh, pretty decent teams here. Uh, let's, let's just go through the rankings real quick. Uh, you had Troy in Alabama, their school located in Alabama. They went 11-2 overall, 7-1 in the conference. Then you got Appalachian State going 9-4 overall, 7-1 in conference play. And then you got Arkansas State uh, coming in the third place in the conference, 7-5 overall, 6-2 in conference play. You got uh, New Mexico State, 7-6 overall, 4-4 four four in conference. Uh, you got Louisiana Lafayette, 5-7 overall, 5-4. Overall, then you have another Louisiana school, Louisiana Monroe, finishing at six, four and eight, four and four in conference play. South Alabama comes up at number seven, four and eight, three and five. Coastal Carolina um, is uh, three and nine overall, two and six in conference play. They're they're bringing up the eighth place and nine and ten. Uh, Georgia Southern and Texas uh, State, respectively, two and ten, uh, both for them overall. Two and six overall for Georgia Southern in conference play. One and seven uh, for Texas Tech in conference play. Now, like I said, no teams finished in the top twenty-five last season, but during the postseason, the ball games, uh, they did pretty well. Their record was four and one. A couple of more notable uh, notable victories was Appalachian State shutting out Toledo thirty-four and zip and. Georgia State beating Western Kentucky 27 to 17. Now, um, these games were a good test, good to uh, good test for these guys because these these pretty much are you know pretty much teams at or near their level of play. Uh, different conferences, of course, uh, but again, they're getting you're giving them you, you get a chance to see them outside of their conference, see how well they do. And that's what pretty much ball games at the end of the season. That's what they're there for. They're pretty much to to gauge to gauge a team at the end of the year to see how good they actually are after all the rankings, after all the conference play. Um, so let's go right into recruiting. Again, none of these teams really made a big national splash in terms of just where they ranked. Uh, but the top three teams in the conference are Arkansas, in terms of recruiting at least, are Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, and Georgia State. Arkansas State brought in 23 recruits, including 12 three-star recruits. Also, Georgia Southern doesn't do as bad as well, bringing in 22 recruits overall uh, 10 three-star recruits Georgia State brings in uh, the most of the top three 27 recruits overall with 12 three-star recruits so they're definitely in terms of of who they're bringing in they're bringing in some caliber of players all three of these teams three-star uh, recruits they're definitely low tier uh, nonetheless but for a team in a smaller conference these these are uh the differences, uh, three star, two star recruits, uh, definitely any anybody you know ranked nationally relevant for these people to for these teams to get these players, uh, it's just a testament because a couple of years ago some of these teams weren't even in Division One football. So there you go. And uh, just for a side note, Coastal Carolina, I believe they finished six overall in the conference, but just amount just uh, because of sheer bodies, they brought in the most uh, sheer bodies 
over time uh, for uh, in terms of recruiting. They brought in 34 commits, which is pretty much a lot. Like I said, this is tops in their conference and the top. And I would say the most compared to a lot of different conferences. Like, I, and, and for example, I don't know too many teams in the Big uh, 12 that had 12 commit uh, that signed 34 commits that have 34 commits or even up to 30 commits at this time. Uh, even the Pac-12 teams in major conferences, I haven't uh, seen them bring in even close to 30. Uh, maybe they, they usually cap out around 24, sometimes 25, depending on who uh, who the team is. But 34, that's a lot of uh, commits. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of bodies to bring in next year. So they might not rank as high, but they definitely have bodies and people they can put on the on the on the field this year. Now, in terms of a prediction, uh, these are these are one of the uh, the conferences. At least till now, I haven't followed super hard. So just going on the stats of just kind of what I see and a little bit of the. Um, a little bit of the highlights that I've seen of all these teams. If I were to just go, you know, based on the eye test right now, I would say the favorite as of today. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong down the line. I'll have to go with Troy. Uh, they've pretty much been the top team in the conference the past couple of years. A couple of years back, they beat LSU, a top team from the SEC, which is a major conference. So they definitely, on any given Saturday, have the best players to play. Again, I believe they won the conference last year as well. I'll have to go with them just on on just on GP, just because they're pretty much just off the bat looking like the best team so far. Now, in terms of a dark horse, I'll have to say it's a tie. I have to go with either Appalachian State or even Arkansas State. Both of these uh, teams came within one or two games, respectively, of winning the conference. I'm pretty sure in the case of Arkansas State, they lost. They lost to Appalachian State and Troy. Troy also suffered a suffered a loss, a conference loss as well, even though they finished on top. So that might have been to Appalachian State or even Arkansas State. You know, these teams, uh, looks like at the top, they are pretty much, in terms of their conference record at least, um, they're pretty close to each other. Appalachian State, Arkansas State, and Troy. So, you look for the winner to be one of those three, in my opinion. Uh, definitely, Arkansas State, they have the uh, top recruiting class, in, at least in the conference. So, if not this year, then maybe next year for them. But I definitely would say, as of right now, I will go with Troy as the favorite for the Sun Belt. Definitely Appalachian State as a, as a close second, followed by Arkansas State, to be honest with you. All right, let's move right along uh, to the conference to Conference USA. Now, Conference USA is split into two divisions, East and West. So we're going to break them down right quick. As far as the East goes, uh, in terms of last year's rankings and their standings uh, in the East, FAU, aka Florida Atlantic University, finished on top with an 11 and 3 overall record, 8 0 in conference play. Marsh, I'm sorry, at number two, you have FIU, aka Florida International University, finishing at 8 and 5, 5 and 3 in conference play. Then you have Marshall coming in at third, 8 and 5 overall, 4 and 4 in conference play. Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee, excuse me, comes in at number four, 7 and 6 overall, 4 and 4 in conference play. Then you got 
Uh, Western Kentucky coming in next at 6-7 overall, 4-4 four and four in conference play. Old Dominion uh, comes in at number 6, 5-7, and 3-5 in conference play. And Charlotte brings up the bottom, 1-11 uh, overall, 1-7 in conference play. Let's go on to the Western Division. North Texas, uh, one that came out on top there, 9-5 uh, and five over an overall record of nine and five uh, for them, and seven and one in conference play. Number two in the Western Division, you got Southern Mississippi coming in at eight and five overall, six and two in conference. Uh, sorry, conference play. Uh, UAB uh, and UAB, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's the University of yeah Alabama Birmingham. They finished finished pretty solid uh, with an eight and five record. Uh, six and two overall. Then you got uh, Louisiana Tech coming in at seven and six, fourth place in the conference, four and four overall in conference play. Uh, you got University of Texas, San Antonio, UTSA coming in at number five, six and five overall, three and five in conference play. Rice is one and eleven overall with one and seven in conference play. That puts them at number six. And at the bottom, you got another Texas school, Texas El Paso. They finished here at the bottom, like I said, zero and eight overall, uh zero and twelve overall, excuse me, zero and eight in conference play. Now in terms of uh their ball record, they didn't do as great as other conferences they had like seven ball games this off season uh in the off season or oh, i'm sorry in the postseason and went when had a record of three and four which you know for a mid-major or a smaller conference is actually all right in all reality um they don't you know it's, you're playing against a lot of different teams a lot of uh you know, power five conferences, you're not going to win all those games. But again, they were able to make these these games. So that's that's something to look at as well. A uh, couple scores to look at. Their bigger scores were Marshall beating Colorado State 30 to 28. Louisiana Tech also had a blowout victory of SMU 51 to 10. And you know, they did have a notable loss, and I was like I said, you know, against a, a power five school, Florida State put the brakes. Uh, on Southern Mississippi, 42-23. to 23. Southern Mississippi had a pretty decent offense last year as well. I do remember that game. Uh, I, I do check out Southern Mississippi from time to time just for the simple fact that Brett Favre went there. So, you know, I look at them, you know, every now and again if I can't catch them on TV. So, uh, you know, like I said, FSU was able to blow them out. And like I said, a lot of the times, you know, whether it be in the beginning of the year or in the postseason, a lot of these big time, te- a lot of these big time power five schools, they're pretty much the favorites to, to beat a team like, you know, Southern Mississippi. And this is what happens. This is why I will say that a member of these two conferences may or may not, unless they have a, a miracle season, they're usually not necessarily within consideration unless they're have unless they're scheduling uh top teams in the beginning of the year and knocking them off and or uh beat consistently beating these teams in ball games, they're not gonna necessarily be on the national stage per se. Uh so past that, let's talk about some recruiting. Now, same thing with the with Conference USA. They're not necessarily a big time conference, so it's not like they're going to attract you know the top five or you know 
10 athletes in, of any state or in any certain position. But in terms of their conference, uh, we'll go through the top three real quick. Like I said, you got uh, FIU, a.k.a. Florida International. Uh, they were able to bring in 24 recruits. Uh, they have uh, they were able to get three five uh, sorry three three star recruits, and they also have two four star recruits that signed letters of intent, which pretty much means that they've pretty much decided to play for them. They haven't enrolled yet, so look for that to to definitely push them over the balance. That may even help them. That that will definitely uh, help them boost up their national grade as well. So we'll keep an eye on that too. Now Marshall comes in at number two. They are actually the second team that I've seen with uh, about thirty uh, commits. They have twenty nine excuse me signed letters of intent. Like I said, that pretty much you know signals that a a, a player. Is, is going to that school. Like I said, these players just probably haven't enrolled yet. So that process will take its time, but they're sitting at number two in their conference. And at number three, uh, we have, let me make sure I got this right here. Yeah. At number three, you're looking at, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Florida, Florida Atlantic, excuse me. Last year's conference winners. They came in with, uh, 22 overall, uh, sorry, sorry, 19 overall, 22 overall recruits, excuse me, 19 three-star recruits, uh, 16 and 16 three-star recruits. So they looking like they're going to want to compete. They're going to want to compete next year too. They're going to want to repeat. And as far as I'm looking at right now, you know, I like undefeated. I'm not saying that, that teams finish, you know, you know, do you know finish undefeated two, three years in a row? But just off the top, I would have to ask for for a favorite right now to win the conference U.S. to win conference U.S.A. I would have to go Florida Atlantic. I think you know that they pretty much, in my opinion, they become the class of that conference. Now I follow this conference a little bit more than I do the Sun Belt. Uh, but a lot less than I do uh, something like maybe even the Mountain West just because of geographical, just because I'm a little bit closer to those to those those teams and just that information. So with that being said, though, I definitely want to go with Florida Atlantic University in terms of winning this conference. If I were to look at a dark horse, I would have to look at North Texas. Uh, they came pretty damn close. Uh, they lost out on the conference uh, in the conference game to Florida Atlantic. So that tells you something. They can definitely win their division again. Um, look out for Southern Mississippi, though. They're, you know, like I said, they pretty much had a, they had a pretty solid offense last year, although it didn't necessarily show up against you know, Florida State, but I would say look at them, and also uh, I was just just for the hell of it. Why not uh, Alabama, Birmingham, uh, UAB? Now the Dragons, they've had a historically they've had a terrible football program. They, they, it's been uh, it's been at least ceased. The, the operations have ceased at least once or twice. They've had various issues going on with their stadium and all that, and just and like I said, and just keeping the fo football program going in general. So 
I would say, why not continue to trend next year? Uh, you know, at least be in the conversation. I would say they're, if anything, they're a dark horse. Um, I, I don't see why not looking at the rest of these teams here. I don't see UTSA, excuse me, yeah, Texas San Antonio really challenging next year. Rice, they're usually trash. I, I don't really see what they're going to do. Charlotte again, uh, they really didn't do too well this year recruiting as well. So I, I don't see where they challenge from their bottom spot or, or move up, uh, significantly. I would also say for the Eastern Division, I would also look at Marshall too as well. They had a, a so-so conference schedule, but they did pretty decent overall. Uh, Florida International as well will probably at least for a divisional dark horse or a sleeper pick. I would go, well, yeah, I would say even actually a dark horse pick, I would go with Florida International. But overall, in terms of my favorite, I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic. Atlantic. Uh, close second might be North Texas, at least because they had a good conference record. But uh, yeah, we'll move on from that. And uh, we will be back tomorrow night. We have some boxing to go over. We're going to we're gonna uh, preview that real quick right now. We got Sergey Kovalev. Uh, he's thirty-two and twenty-eight. I'm sorry, thirty-two and two with twenty-eight knockouts. Recently, he's had a couple fight, a uh, couple fights uh, against uh, Andre Ward, potential Hall of Famer. And you know, we already know what happened in those those two fights. That's what got him his first two L's. So he's on the comeback trail. He's had a fight. I know he's had at least one fight since then. Uh, he's going to be in the ring tomorrow night against a, uh, I would say, a legit, a legit um, contender. He's going to be in there with Aladir Alvarez. This is going to be for the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship. Alvarez is 23-0 with 11 knockouts. However, he's beaten the, I would say, the old guard. Uh, within the last uh, five, six years, he's beaten those those top guys in the division. Uh, he just recently beat John Pascal. He's also beaten Lucian Butte by knockout as well. So those, and if you were to go back at least five, six years ago in the light heavyweight division, those two guys were part of the the main scene. So he's uh, he's got those torches. He's closed out. I would say he's probably closed out those careers. So they're gonna they're gonna go at it. Like I said, for the WBO light heavyweight title, you have two light heavyweight fights going on uh, tomorrow night. So we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about both of those. The second one is gonna be Dimitri Bivol versus Isaac Chalimba. This is gonna be for the WBA light heavyweight championship as well. Dimitri Bivol is a hot cat on the scene. Really young guy out of Russia. Yeah, he's 13-0 with 11 KOs, four uh, four KOs in his last fights. He's looking to get the job done against a veteran in Chalimba, who's 25-5 and with 10 KOs. Again, if I were to make it, if I were to make a prediction right now, I'm probably going to go with Bevo. Much, I would say, just, just a, a very heavy hitter. We'll have to see. Uh, I, I Chalimba might have some experience. He might be able to pull some tricks off, just how veterans do. We'll we'll have to see if that happens. In terms of Sergey Kovalev, I I I think he gets his mind right, you know, and it comes out and uh, wins this wins this fight, becomes the man in the division again. Hopefully, sets up a fight with Adonis Stevens so, so we can get that so we can get that juice back. Obviously, Andre Ward took a lot of him, and you could tell. He's not, you know, he hasn't really been too happy about it since then. He's somewhat of a sore loser. But, hey, how do you, you know, 
You get beat. That's what that, you know, that's what it's all about. But all right, y'all, we're gonna wrap it up for now. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow night. Also, we'll just do a, we'll have a, a movie review for y'all as well. I'm gonna go over horrible bosses, you know, you know, comedy. I'll go over some comedy, you know, see if it see if it still lingers with me, see if I still think it's funny or not. It's something that I've seen at least a couple times in the past, but we're gonna we're gonna review it for y'all too. All right, y'all. We don't I don't wanna take too much of y'all time. Y'all enjoy. Peace out.